Welcome to Redeemer Radical Reflections from Reading Rightly, or you can just call us the five R's. I am George Cagle, and I'm joined by Scotty Jinks. Good evening. Again, we're just a couple of guys from Redeemer Church in Tomball who uh, are reading through Isaiah and uh, sharing uh, our reflections as the Holy Spirit um, kind of reveals uh his word to us. So today we are going through Isaiah, uh, three chapters, 18, 19, and 20. So nice section, a nice portion of the book, but certainly, uh, a, you know, a number of chapters that I would say people are not too familiar with. Sure. So, uh, chapters 18 and 20 are pretty small um, or short. And so uh, that it's easy to see why we paired these three up um, because it ends up being uh, two chapters worth of words, I guess. Right. And they all seem to have to do with uh, the Egyptians, right? Or, or the Cushites. Mm hmm. So we shall uh, begin uh, again. This is so this is an oracle, right, concerning Cush uh, or, or Egypt. Right. And, and for our listeners, right, at, at this time, Cush uh, in the Bible kind of refers to uh, biblical uh, Ethiopia, it's this, you know, southern Egypt and beyond. Um but like at this time, right, the Egyptians were actually ruled by an Ethiopian king. Um, so it's kind of uh, so Cush, the Egyptians, it's kind of referring to that region of Africa. Yeah, I read that Cush uh, up until now had not been uh, mentioned. Uh, so it's, you know, it's an off the wall kind of situation where. He's talking about Cush, and uh, the readers uh, would know what he's talking about. But for us, we would say, where's that? You know, where's, where's that on the map? Um, so that was really helpful. Right. So let us begin. And uh, so with chapter 18, right, is an oracle, again, concerning Cush and, and concerning, you know, basically modern day uh, Egypt and Ethiopia um, in that region. And at this time, right, Israel or really Judah is worried about Assyria and Assyria is coming to get them. And they reach out for an alliance, right, with Egypt and uh or, or with Cush, and that's kind of what this chapter is starting to refer to right this idea of the ambassadors uh the messengers right so go you swift messengers to a nation tall and smooth to a people feared near and far and and this is kind of referencing um Israel sending out ambassadors and messengers to Egypt for help, for assistance. 
Right. So he talks about a, um, a banner being raised in the mountains and asking to look uh, and what a trumpet sounds, listen. So right, that, that makes total sense yeah. in context, what they're saying to him, why they're, why they've, you know, come to see them. Right. And, and really this, this chapter, the theme kind of is God telling Israel, you don't need an alliance with Egypt or with, you know, to be, to be saved from Assyria. You know, God is enough. God should be your source of, um, you know, just your source of comfort, right? You're relying on God to keep you protected, there's, there's, I, I see a, a stark contrast, right? With, so first off, there is, right? Cush is kind of seen as a very loud, um, an intimidating country, which it was, right? So it's a, you know, a nation mighty and mighty and conquering, uh, the land of warring wings. So they're, you know, they're loud. Um, Right, and you said verse three: a signal is raised on the mountains. Look, a trumpet is blown here. So the Cushites are loud; they're making noise. But in the meantime, God is. I will quietly look from my dwelling. You know, wow. I will just. I will just look very quietly, and then I'm gonna act. I'm gonna say this, right? I'm gonna rule in this fashion, and just control all of you anyway. So uh, verse five, the Lord says, uh, for behold, the harvest when the blossoming is over and the blossom becomes a ripening grape, he will cut off the shoots with a pruning knife, tear away and remove the branches. Uh, they will all be left for the birds of prey on the hills. For the birds of prey will spend something on them and all the wild animals, the winter. Uh, so he says, listen, all this stuff that you're working to cultivate, to cultivate uh he says you're never going to see the fruit of it you're never going to drink anything uh made from this alliance you're working so hard for right and it's so again this is this is applicable applicable for us today right how i mean who do we look for or what do we look for for comfort during times of trouble do we do we turn to god rely on god do we rely on money, uh, relationships? You know, when we start to get worried, what ultimately do we find our comfort in? Or what ultimately, if it's like, if we lose this, you know, then we're, we're more than upset. You know, we are distraught. Our life is, you know, our life is over, you know. Uh, because for Israel, it was they are relying on this alliance with Egypt. Yeah, and they're working hard for it. And, and in the end, it's not going to come to anything because in the end, that's not reliable. God is. Amen. So from uh, there. Well, oh, so also just to add to that point, I think we should be grateful that when we try to soothe ourselves, when we try to control our lives, uh, the Lord is actually being gracious when he uh, removes those branches, when he prevents us from getting the fulfillment we were looking for. Uh, we tend to get upset uh, when our idols fall apart. 
and don't provide uh, everything we wanted from them. Uh, but the beauty is that the Lord doesn't want us to be consumed by uh, whatever tiny benefit we can get from our idols. Uh, he wants to take that away. Um, and of course, we'll see that in the next chapter as well. Right. That right. Um, the Lord is always acting, uh, even when he's acting in, in a way that feels negative. Uh, he is always looking out for the best. And so a lot of times when we pray for things and ask the Lord for um, character uh, in any way, we ask him to give us the fruit of the spirit. What we might be asking for is a pruning knife and start chopping. Right. Very good. Yeah. And so uh, chapter 18 concludes with verse seven. At that time, tribute will be brought to the Lord of hosts from a people tall and smooth, from a people feared near and far, a nation mighty and conquering whose land the rivers divide. So again, referring again to Cush. This is, so this is a claim that Cush or Egypt will bring gifts to Jerusalem in, celebrate, in celebration of God. And we do see that in Second Chronicles 32, verses 22 through 23, uh, after God defeats Assyria, as, as we'll see later on in, like in Isaiah, the Ethiopians will bring uh, gifts and tribute to, you know, the God of Israel and to, and to King Hezekiah for this victory. Plus, uh, Psalm 68, 31 talks about how the Ethiopians will worship God. And then, of course, we have Acts uh, chapter 8. 26 through 40 where the ethiopian is you know reading isaiah and uh you know the philip uh shows up speaks to the ethiopian explains the prophecy of isaiah and how it points to jesus and and he becomes saved so you know thus uh at least partially fulfilling right this prophecy that there will be Ethiopians, uh, you know, Egyptians, Africans who uh, love and worship the Lord. Absolutely. And this kind of goes back to what we had talked about um, last week, I think it was, uh, about Moab, right? And how the Lord, even among his like woes he's delivering, he's mm-hmm. also uh, giving them uh, promises. And these are not the uh, his chosen people. They are not... Uh, anybody he's made a, a covenant with, at least up until this point. Um, and now he puts his, you know, um, he makes uh, promises um, that are for the benefit of the person that he has been, um, for the person that he has been warning. And and he continues here and, and continues later. Um, and it's been a really weird um, process for me to kind of understand that because of passages like this, Isaiah is actually an incredibly evangelistic book. Yes. Um, and to a degree where it seems like if I'm looking for a book, if, if I was, if I needed to convince myself or someone else that the Lord has a heart for uh, people, uh, the Lord is uh, uh, loving uh, towards people who he has not yet singled out. Um, 
Isaiah might be the first place I think of. And, yeah. you know, and of course, it's, it, we've been reading it for a long time um, and continue and plan to continue. So uh, that sort of thing will will naturally occur. But even thinking about, you know, some of the Gospels and the Lord literally uh, inviting people to himself verbally and, and thinking, you know, uh, it might be outweighed by the time by the time we get through with Isaiah, uh, it, you know. There, there might even be more um, promises that the Lord is making uh, to groups of people like this um, that eventually they're going to be a part of his, um, they're going to be worshiping him. Right. I mean, yeah. And I, and I can only imagine how shocking these, this has to have been to, for the original audience reading Isaiah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, the Jews were, were God's chosen people and the Gentiles were not, you know, and then it's the Moabites and the Egyptians. And then, you know, and then like, especially if, as we start to get into chapter 19, right, like Assyria and all these, you know, uh, nations. So, you know, the book of Isaiah, yeah, it's very clear that God has a heart for all people, all the Gentiles as well. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, they would say, you know, go home, Isaiah. You know, you're talking about how God loves the bad guys, and and now you're naked. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> just get out of here. Um, right. But uh, praise the Lord, he he did. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, moving now into uh, chapter nineteen. Right. This is a pronunciation of uh, judgment on Egypt, right? And their uh, punishment for uh, not following the Lord. And of course, Egypt, you could always, you, you know, you could really consider, at least until Babylon showed up, right? That Egypt was the great enemy of Israel, right? Because of the, the slavery and uh, Exodus and, and everything. Uh, yeah, they've got 400 years of uh, fighting, 400 years of uh, slavery that they're um, still not over. Right. right. It's, uh, a long, it's, it's a long yeah, time. Right. Israel's still looking at them as this oppressor. And so, um, it, so it shouldn't surprise us to get this um, pronouncement of woes here. Right. The... So here, you know, here, here comes the Lord, right? On a swift cloud, he comes to uh-huh. Egypt and, you know, the idols of Egypt, the hearts of the Egyptians will melt and, and they will, you know, uh, they're, they're going down. And I find verse two interesting. And I know you wanted to talk about verse three, but verse two, right? It says, and I will stir up Egyptians against Egyptians and they will fight uh, each against another. And so part of God's judgment is basically civil war, or at least civil strife, right, throughout the nation of Egypt. Um, And apparently I've read that, you know, Egyptian has, did spend much of the 8th century BC in civil war, Mm -hmm. fighting against itself. Um, But it just makes me remember that unity, 
right? For just a nation to be unified, that's a blessing from the Lord, right? Because our natural tendencies is not to be unified. It's to look out for ourselves, right? Look out for number one. Um, So this, so unity is, if, if a nation is unified, you know, it's, it's simply because God desired that. And again, as we've seen, like when God judges a nation, really all he does is simply remove his blessing. I allowed you to be unified. Now I'm just going to leave you to yourself. And that's, you know, that ends, that's what ends up happening with uh, the Egyptians. Right. Um, So would you say that you think uh, present day uh, America, the way that we're experiencing it uh, in in Tomball, do you think we're experiencing uh, more unity or disunity? Just in Tomball or uh, America as a whole? Uh, Either one. (laughs) Because I would say, I mean, I don't know, maybe I don't get out much. But uh, at least in my interactions, everyday life, uh, there's there's not too much disunity just within among the people of Tomball. But certainly with the nation, right, there's the whole like those idiots wear two masks and oh, those idiots don't wear a mask. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, and then and then with all the stuff that went on, like at the Capitol, you know. Uh, back in January of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like for a long time, for years, there's been a lot of disunity. Now, we haven't, you know, there hasn't been a civil war, at least not, you know, in, for like 150 years sure, uh, sure. here in America. But uh, at the same time, there is definitely civil strife. Um, right. But yeah. That's um, and then moving on to verse three, he says that Egypt's spirit will be disturbed within it, and I will frustrate its plans. Uh, they then they will inquire of idols, ghosts, and spiritists. So uh, Egypt prides itself on uh, intelligence, right? On uh, knowledge, um, mm-hmm. great uh, libraries, tomes, stuff like that. And the, basically, God's saying, "Listen, uh, I'm going to take away your unity." And I'm going to take away uh, all of this, uh, all this wisdom that you were so proud of uh, to the point where all of these, uh, what would be considered, you know, pretty advanced um, uh, ideas uh, would be abandoned and they would be going after superstitions. Right. And so I think about that. And what does it look like for God's judgment to take the form of uh, asking ghosts and mediums? for advice, right? Because, you know, you and I aren't uh, probably going to check our horoscope. Um, yeah. We're not uh, too worried about what the stars say. Um, but then thinking even just a few years ago about uh, like crossing over with Jonathan Edwards, you know, where uh, yeah. the yeah. Long Island medium, you know, where we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people um, who are seeking uh, wisdom from people who are, uh, literally say they talk to ghosts uh we're experiencing you know when uh oprah had her uh spiritual movement um and to a degree you know postmodernism uh itself is just a breakdown of these ideas that the lord 
um, the, the way that we're experiencing it um, is frustrating our plans, frustrating our wisdom. Um, and I know, you know, to the degree there's, there's a ton of people who don't understand how, you know, things like the flat earth society, they would say, where did that come from? You know, how can there be people out there who deny science? It's, you know, it's so um, well thought out. And you say, well, um, sometimes uh, those kinds of plans uh, get frustrated. Sometimes we're stuck with the um, the old ways, you know, not being satisfied with what's uh, new and what um, everyone has agreed on uh, leaves us with um, trying to um, go back to something pagan. Yeah, and I think even, you know, you, you mentioned like, you know, confounding their counsel. Um, if we skip ahead, like right to verses like 11 through 13, it, there's further, right, uh, of the, the princes of Zoan are utterly foolish, right? The wisest counselors of Pharaoh give stupid counsel. Um, and I think, you know, this is... The wisdom of man, right, is utterly foolish, right? The foolishness of God, you know, as it's called in the Bible, right, is still far above anything we can comprehend. Right. Um, and, yeah, and as, as you pointed out, right, people looking for uh, answers in spiritualism or, 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 you know, Oprah, but or even just, you know, what about just like the talking heads on on the news right what do you look for for wise counsel do you look for do you go to god or do you go to the experts great question um i I heard uh recently somebody saying that um we have this desire when we find out a new piece of news we need to make sure that everyone else knows it as well right and that's why you get those interactions where uh, you say to someone, Hey, did you hear about, uh, did you hear about what happened in Colorado or whatever the, whatever the news story might be? Um, and th- th- what, what, what impulse it is that drives us to feel like a news story that takes place so far away, it can't uh, impact this other person's daily life, but we feel like they need to know now, as soon as we see them, as soon as we interact with them, we say, um, are you in the know here? Um, and so it makes sense to think of that with a, a spiritual aspect and, um, uh, but also wondering, you know, who would be the, uh, the princes of Memphis that are being deceived? Uh, who would that be for us? Um, and I think you're right to say it's, it's people we trust. So it's gotta be, uh, media personalities, unfortunately, right. or, or, you know, the, just, scientists politicians just the right. yeah the people of that the that society is kind of like oh you know what we should do you know uh you know how we should act or what's the way society should function um and then and of course god mocks you know these people right he, verse 12 where then are your wise men let them tell you that they might know what the lord of hosts has purposed against egypt Right. And it just reminds me of Romans uh, 1134, right, where um, 
Paul writes, political pass for you know, for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor, right? We have no idea what God is up to. Um, it's we we know we can trust him that it's for our good. Um, it's but you know, it's better than anything we can come up with, but you know, to presume we know this is what's happening and this is how it should go. This is how we should act uh, and not inquire of God is, is foolish. You know, we need to trust him in, in all things, in all situations. Right. But it's so easy to go to Google first. Yeah. Instead of asking, asking the Lord for his counsel, um, just saying, you know, what's, you know, what is the most common advice that people run to? Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe I won't click on the first link. I'll, I'll scroll down to the third one, you know, so <laughs> I know I'm not getting my ears tickled. And, and then as an afterthought, you say, oh, you know what? Perhaps I should figure out what the Lord has to say. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, we are so apt to, yeah, look at something else first, look at our immediate situation, try and figure it out ourselves or, or yeah, ask somebody we know rather than ask God to help us. So that was, yeah, verse, you're right. We, we talked about verses 11, 12, and 13, uh, five through 10, right. is just, obviously it, they're talking about the Nile. And the Nile being dried up, which mm-hmm. as, you know, uh, you know, because we're experts on history and geography. Uh, <laughs> well, you well know, just, it's important to remember they, uh, to a degree, worship the Nile. Um, right. it, it's the source of all their uh, all their food. Um, and uh, they, you know, personified it. Um, and so this is more than just a statement about, you know, Hey, your irrigation is not going to be so great anymore, but also like, Hey, your God is going to fail you. You know, your, your, uh, empire is built around, uh, this resource and I'm going to take it away. Right. Right. Good. So, um, moving on, we have right verses. 16 through 24, which kind of is a the beginning of kind of like this this change in in tone towards Egypt, right? And you now are going to have a prophecy of blessing, in which as as you talked about it, right? Affliction from God brings about sanctification, and it's the same case here. God afflicting Egypt is going to sanctify Egypt, bring them to, uh, you know, a knowledge of God and, and a love for God. Right. So the, the failure of the Nile to provide is going to lead them to the, to the Lord to provide. Right. Um, that is, that is great news. Um, he, he talks about, um, them being, uh, basically uh, afraid of Judah, right? They're going to um, be scared uh, of, you know, who by comparison is a much smaller uh, people, but 
uh, verse 18, he says, On that day, five cities in the land of Egypt will speak the language of Canaan and swear loyalty to the Lord of armies. One of the cities will be called the City of the Sun. Um, uh, ba- this is just more uh, proof of the Lord's heart, uh, that when he looks at someone like Egypt, who um, has been the bad guy um, for so long uh, and will you know, continue to be, the bad guy, but he's talking about these um, five cities, this idea of a remnant that we've been uh, seeing over and over again, that uh, I, I have no idea what the ratio of, you know, five cities means to Egypt. Um, but it sounds uh, good the way that the Lord is telling the story. He says, they're going to swear loyalty to the Lord of armies. Um, and, and that's that's us, you know. We are being, um, we have that same chance, um, right? And this is just such a great example of God's grace, right? Because the Egyptians were the oppressors of His people, the Israelites. But in verse twenty, right, they're going to cry to the Lord because of oppressors, and He'll save them. He'll deliver them. Um. The, the commentary that I was reading through uh, made the made the point that this oppressor that Egyptian that the Egyptians are crying out about is actually uh, Satan and his kingdom and and their sin hmm. and thus the the savior and defender who will deliver them from Satan. And, and his clutches is going to be Christ, the, the Savior, sure. which makes sense. I mean, all believers, right? We all will face oppression and tribulation in this life. Right. Um, then he, he sort yeah. of uh, boils it down to verse 22. He says, the Lord will strike Egypt, striking and healing. Then they will turn to the Lord and he will be receptive to their prayers and heal them. Um so the Lord's taking any kind of veil off, off of what He's saying, and says, "Listen, I'm I'm going to uh, break you so that you can uh, grow back better. I'm going to strike and heal, strike and heal." Um, and uh, you know, most people wouldn't uh, volunteer to be in a situation like that. Um, but as Christians, we know that uh, the Lord is uh, refining us by fire. You know that, um, like gold, and it's one of the ways that he shows his love uh, to us, um, and one of the ways he's the surprise here is not that the Lord is um, is striking and then healing. The surprise is that he's doing it to Egypt, right? This is um, this is not who the scripture has been addressed to until now. Right. And like, once again, this has this this section of Isaiah has to have been shocking to the Israelites. Right. The Lord making himself known to the Egyptians, the Egyptians making vows to the Lord. Right. And performing them so that they they're devoted to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the Lord listening to their pleas for mercy and healing them. That's something that he does for Israel, not not the other nations. Right. Uh, 
Well, well yeah. and I want to point out, he says that he's going to be receptive to their prayers, uh, which means they're, they've had prayers before. Um, but uh, we know just from the rest of scripture that um, there are situations in which like the Lord is, is going to deafen his ears towards uh, prayers of uh, people in certain situations. You know, one of them, one of them being a husband who doesn't live with his wife in an understanding way. Um, the Lord sort of shuts his ears. Um, and so here he says, Hey, these prayers, um, I'm going to open, open my ears and hear them. That's good. Yep. And right. And we, as Christians should understand, right. That we, as part of our sanctification, becoming more and more Christ-like in, in, you know, as far as the fruits of the spirit, love for the Lord, joy in this life, uh, and, and in the life to come, uh, found in God, that's going to be the result of God's striking and healing, right? Removing the things that we think we need and, and showing that he is, is all that we need. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then verses 23 through 25, if, Israel wasn't shocked before, you know, now it says, right, in that day, there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria and Assyria will come into Egypt and Egypt into Assyria and the Egyptians will worship with the Assyrians. In that day, Israel will be the third with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the earth, whom the Lord of hosts has blessed, saying, blessed be Egypt, my people mm -hmm. and Assyria, the work of my hands and Israel, my inheritance. So, uh, you know, obviously this highway is not literal, but it is this prophecy, this claim that Gentiles all over the world will be united in Christ, right? All nations will become part of God's new covenant uh, found in Jesus. Right. And in this case, uh, Israel is already being outnumbered by uh, Egypt and Assyria, um, you know, calling them uh, one part of this triple alliance um, means Israel's only making up a third. Right. So, you know, thank God for his mercy, because you and I are Gentile, Scotty. Absolutely. <laughs> So then we've got chapter 20 in a very short chapter, only six verses, but it's, it's fairly uh, interesting, right? So we have Assyria is going and fighting against Ashdod, which is in uh, where the Philistines, one of the Philistine cities, you know, west of Judah. But at this time, the Lord spoke to Isaiah, the son of Amaz, saying, Go and loose the sackcloth from your waist and take off your sandals from your feet. And he did so, walking naked and barefoot. And, and as we read, right, he does this for three years as, as a sign against Egypt and against Cush, that they'll be humiliated, led away, naked and barefoot, right? Uh, and they'll be shamed by Assyria. 
That's right. The uh, CSB uh, uses the phrase bare buttocks. Beard yes. buttocks. Uh, he's uh, talking about just the shame, you know, uh, Israel was going to run to these people, right? They're going to run to uh, Egypt for help. And uh, because of how uh, smart they are, how powerful they are, um, all these resources they've got. And the Lord says, hey, not only am I going to uh, take that all away, uh, but I'm going to humiliate them. You know, they're going to look like less than less than a servant. Right. And one has to look at, at Isaiah and be like, wow, look at this devotion that he has for the Lord. Right. Now, he's probably not completely naked, right? He probably does have like a loincloth or undergarment on. But still, he's going out in public, in the streets, and he's going to be the object of attention and humiliation for three years. Every time he goes out in public and as a prophet and as part of the royal family, he's going to do this a lot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people have to be like, what in the world is he doing? Isaiah's crazy, you know. That has to be their 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 thoughts. And I'm just, you know, I you know, just that Isaiah willingly did that to because the Lord asked him to. Right. And then right, verse five gives us the reason that this is gonna happen to Cush. This is verse five, then they shall be dismayed and ashamed because of Cush, their hope, and Egypt, their boast. Um, and, you know, Judah or Israel was like, hey, we're going to place our hope in Egypt to protect us from Assyria, right? They're strong. They'll, they'll keep us safe. And then Egypt goes and gets whipped. Right. By Assyria. And then in verse six, right. Verse six ends with, and we, how shall we escape? You know, there's just this dismay where there's no, there's no hope for us. We're not going to be able to escape Assyria. Right. Which yeah. I mean, in, in a way is true, right? You, you, we can't trust anything of this world. Right, during times of trouble. That's right. So I guess this is kind of the fourth mention of what you, of the Lord not letting something you trust in work, of uh, the Lord in his mercy saying, I'm not going to let them be defended by these, these other guys. I'm going to show them as failures uh, so that uh, Israel can see uh, who I really am, who they really need to turn to. And so we need to know every time something we put our hope in falls through, um, we need to have the same reaction and say, listen, um, now how will we escape? You know, you know, now without our last, last ditch effort, what can we do here? Um, and the answer for us is this, uh, we can trust in the little word like we should have the first time. Mm -hmm. Well, that brings us to the end of those three chapters. So, uh, Scotty, I mean, we've we've kind of talked, you know, application already. But if you want to sum up real quick, uh, how should these three chapters uh, affect us in, in our lives? 
Sure. So, I mean, the first one, of course, um, if you're uh, listening and you haven't responded to the call that Christ is uh, putting on you to come uh, worship him, uh, this is your chance. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're Egyptian, Assyrian, um, it there is no one that the Lord is not uh, reaching out to. And if there's any, if there are any three chapters in the Bible that are going to explain that to you, uh, these are them, you know, there is, um, there is no one. He's not uh, offering uh, peace and life um, uh, to, and that you can have that, you know, through his death, uh, resurrection, and uh, the indwelling in of his Holy Spirit through faith. Uh, and uh, on top of that, you know, we, we need to have the understanding that whenever we put our hope in someone or something, uh, but particularly I would say putting your hope in a person or in a group of people, um, you're actually condemning them because when you uh, tr- trust someone to be your savior, um, you are putting a target on their back because the Lord is going to get out those uh, pruning shears and go to work and they're going to end up humiliated. They're going to end up uh, proving uh, how worthy they are not in order to prove how worthy the Lord is. Um, so as an act of uh, love towards everyone else, we can't put them on pedestals. We can't uh, think that they're going to be the solution to all of our problems um, because we need to see them as uh, tools of the Lord to be used um, how he will. Um, and then to see uh, that uh, people are uh, just people. Right. I mean, if you, uh, yeah, put somebody on a pedestal as your source of, you know, value or sense of worth or, or whatever, uh, yeah, you're going to overwhelm that person because that's not what they're meant to do. Right. Um, and yeah, God. I think it's important to understand that God is going to remove idols from your life because he loves you, right? He is going to strike and heal, strike and heal. So if, you know, you're going through hard times and you're like, why is the Lord doing this? Well, it's probably because there's an idol in your life that he is uh, dealing with or, or attempting to deal with, right, with you. Um, so I think, yeah, don't, in the end, don't be dismayed, but instead turn to God as your source of hope and comfort during times of, of trouble and times of hardship. Don't turn to, yeah, an idol. Don't turn to the world and it's experts or, or, you know, spiritualists or, or whatever, but turn to God. Amen. All right. I think that about covers it. So that was good. Let's see. Next week, we'll be looking at uh, Babylon again and Jerusalem. So we got a few more oracles, some some woes on uh, some more people. Um, That's right. looks like we got a few more chapters. It keeps on. Yeah, it keeps on coming, right? Uh, 25, yeah. I guess. Uh um seems to 
be a little a little easier. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Once we get to twenty five, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Again, this is George Cagle and Scotty Jinx with Redeemer Radical Reflections from Reading Rightly, also known as the Five R's. Good night.